All right. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Keith Grant. I'm one of the pastors here at Riverside Community Church. And uh, we're just so grateful and, and blessed that um, we can bring the word this morning. And I know everyone, and just in my numerous conversations with everybody, uh, we're all experiencing the effects of uh, this pandemic and this coronavirus right now. And one of the things that comes to mind with this is just this feeling of how we're in limited movement. And I think the one word that really encapsulates it best is uh, feeling constricted in terms of where we can go, what we do and what we can do and uh, who we can see. It just feels like we're just constricted in every part of our lives right now. And even in the midst of that, you hear much talk about love and, and you know how we're called to love others and how there are people out there who are putting their lives on the line for other people and we just we so appreciate that and we just see love in the midst of this constriction and so what I want to do now is in this scripture today is I really want us to slow down to look at this movement of love and in particular um, when you think about Lent and in the days leading up to Easter One of the things that the early church did was they participated in Lent because what they were doing is they were allowing themselves and entering into the suffering and the dying of Christ by constricting themselves in terms of what they eat, what they ate, and what they did. And so when you look at the coronavirus and what's happening right now, this is one of the ways that God enables us to now begin to see life through his lens. And so what I want to do today in this scripture, and in particular, we're going to be walking through John 18 and John 19, is I want to look at the life of Jesus, and in particular, how Jesus was constricted in his life and how he loved. And we're going to do that by looking at his conversations that he had with Pontius Pilate. And when you look at the life of Pontius Pilate, what you're seeing is you're seeing much of how I saw myself and how I saw Jesus and how the world sees Jesus too. The question that we have, how do you love well when you come face to face with evil? How do you love well when you come face to face with trouble, when you come face to face with sin? And we're going to look at that today. And so today's big idea, today's main point is this, is how Jesus displays true love in the midst of evil. Jesus displays displays true love in the midst of evil. And so pray with me this morning as we begin. Father, we pray. We thank you for your word, Lord. We pray that you would help us to, to, to focus and to hear you clearly today, Father. And not only just that, God, but we pray that we would be able to hear this and we ask for your help in applying this in our lives, Lord. Help us as a church, help us as people to love other people well because this displays you and who you are, Father. And we just thank you and we praise you, Lord. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, we're going to look at uh, John 18, starting in John 18, verses 28. But I really, before we jump into that, I want to take a look and sort of see where we've been. Because it was John 17, right before, which we call the high priestly prayer. And what Jesus is doing here, and for me, it's one of the most fascinating parts of the Bible. Because what Jesus is doing is Jesus is praying to his Father 
and he's giving you insight on what was going on before the foundation of the world, that Jesus was with his father and he's in a loving relationship with his father and he's praying about this and what he's doing now is saying, Father, I have come and I've done exactly what you have asked me to do. Following his father's will, Jesus constricts himself and follows his father's will and he comes here And he's done that. And now he's praying for his disciples. It's almost like he's commissioning them to go and to live a life of love that he has. And so he's praying that the Father would keep them and protect them for what they were about to face. And so we see that in chapter 17. Chapter 18 then transitions where Jesus is in the garden. And then Judas comes there with the soldiers. Peter cuts off the high priest's servant ear. And at that point, Jesus rebukes Peter by saying, Shall I not drink the cup that my Father has given me? Shall I not do what I came here to do? This is the cup that my father has given me. And so Jesus says that to Peter. Then Jesus is taken to face Annas and Caiaphas, who are the high priests for questioning. And it's in that time that Peter then denies Jesus three times. And from that point, Jesus is sent to Pilate. And that's where we're going to pick up. In John 18, verse 28, it says this. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, it is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. And so now here is Jesus coming before Pontius Pilate. So before we really dig into this conversation, just take a moment to think and to talk about who Pontius Pilate is. And there's an ancient Jewish scholar from Alexandria, and his name is Philo. And listen to his description of Pilate. He says this, his corruption his acts of insolence, which is disrespectful behavior, his rapine, which is to seize somebody's property, his habit of insulting people, his cruelty, his continual murders of people untried and uncondemned, and his never-ending gratuitous and most grievous inhumanity. This is the person whom Jesus is standing in front of right now. And they come to him and they said, this man... This man right here. What accusation do you bring against this man? He says, if they weren't, he wasn't doing evil, we wouldn't have brought him to you. Pilate's responded, well, then you go and judge him according to your own law. Pilate is saying is, bring me an accusation, something that means something to me. Judge him by your own law. You see, their charge of blasphemy against Jesus doesn't carry any weight in the Roman law. So it's no concern to Pilate. See, it's not lawful for the Jews, the Jewish people, to put Jesus to death. Why? Because in the law, when somebody breaks the law, then they're stoned. For most capital offenses in Jewish law, they should be stoned. And what Jesus is showing here is this is going to fulfill the type type of death that Jesus had predicted that he was going to die on the cross. And the only one that could do it are the Romans. They need the Romans to crucify Jesus. And so here is Jesus coming face to face with evil. 
with trouble. The question is, how will Jesus respond? And as we walk through this, I want you to do this. I want you to think and to watch how God not only broke into our world, how God is not only entering into Pilate's world, but how he did the same thing to us. This is what it says in verse 33. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, do you say that of your own accord or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this world. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told him, I find no guilt in him. But you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cry out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a robber. And so if we stop right there, Pilate before this had sent Jesus to King Herod. King Herod sends Jesus back. And so this is the second time that now Pilate is coming face to face with Jesus. And now he's coming face to face with the man who he had sent the soldiers to go and arrest. And so now we look at the conversation through the lens of how Pilate sees and treats Jesus. So the first question he asks him is, are you the king of the Jews? Now, oftentimes when we read the scripture, we see the scripture, we see that he's asking a well-intentioned question. And what he's doing right here is he's actually mocking Jesus. Because if he really was concerned about who Jesus was and asking him, then he would ask a question in the sense of, do you claim to be the king of the Jews? Is that what they're saying? Is they're saying that you claim to be the king of the Jews? No, what he says is, are you the king of the Jews? And he's saying it in a mocking way as if we were to say to somebody who's dressed in a Superman outfit, so are you Superman? Here is a man that's been beaten and bruised by the high priest. And here he is standing in front of Pilate. He does not look like a king. And so Pilate is in front of him, asking him, are you the king of the Jews? And he's mocking him to his face. You get the sense of this because Pilate does not like Jewish people. Pilate is anti-Jew to the core. In fact, his protege in Rome, somebody named Sejanus, he was an anti-Semite. And so this is who Pilate is. Pilate hates the Jews. Not only that, but when you read further in the scripture, every time he says king of the Jews, he's doing it to point it and shove it in the Jewish people's face. And he's mocking them right to their face. And so here he is mocking Jesus to his face saying, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus responds by saying, do you want to know this? Are you asking on your own or are you asking because somebody told you this? And that bothers Pilate. Why? Because he says, am I a Jew? What he's saying is, do you think I, as a Roman, really care what happens with Jewish people? I do not care. And the fact that Jesus was asking him that question makes Pilate angry. 
Jesus is moving in closer. And Pilate mocks the fact that Jesus would even suggest that he had an interest in who he was and what was going on. You know, I think about my own life. I think about how at one point in my life, I believed that Jesus was a person, but he was a person that I had absolutely no interest in. Only people who were over the top, who were into religion like that, were actually interested in Jesus. And so the notion that I actually would take concern of who he was, it bothers people that you would even have a notion of that. And that's where Pilate is right now. And so Pilate changed the subject by asking him, what have you done? And Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world, because if it were of this world, my servants would fight for me. You know, one of the beautiful things about Jesus and what we see is Jesus doesn't have to defend himself because if I'm in the same position that Jesus is right here is I'm laying out all the reasons the reasons, and my argument as to why I'm not guilty. And Jesus answers his question by saying, my kingdom is not of this world because if it was, my servants would fight for me. What this does, it alleviates Pilate's concern, which is about what? Rome. Is this man a threat to me? Is this man a threat to the way of life? Is this man a threat to Rome? And isn't it just like Jesus? Is that when we see Jesus, the things that he says, the things that he does, oftentimes it poses a threat, and I use the term threat, to our way of life and how we do life and how we see life. And so when he hears Jesus says, he says, ah, so you are a king. What he's saying to him is, ah, so you are crazy. You are not all there. Jesus takes that second mock and brushes it aside and continues to move toward Pilate's heart. He says, you say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of truth listens to my voice. Jesus is moving in and moving toward Pilate's heart. He's loving him. And as many times as Pilate is mocking him to his face, Jesus continues to move toward him in love. I can't think of how many times And the way that I used to live, the way that I used to think that God continued to move toward me in love and was inviting me to himself. He was inviting me in an opportunity to listen to his voice and to come face to face with truth. And so here's Pilate in front of truth personified. The whole foundation of truth. It is Jesus. And the only thing that he can say is, huh, what is truth? And he has no interest in understanding. You see, for Pilate, soldiers were truth. Rome was truth. Caesar was truth. Political power was truth. And for many of us, our everyday lives, how I live, what I do, how I see the world, that is truth. And now you've got these two worlds colliding right here where Jesus is giving Pilate an invitation to see and to know truth. And the only thing he can say is, what is truth? Pilate can't handle Jesus moving in close. 
And so he goes out to the crowd and says, I find no guilt in this man. Who is this guy? Who is this man that's making Pilate think in ways that he has never thought before? You see, the first application that we have here is this. Love moves toward people. And in this conversation right here, what you're watching is Jesus loving Pilate and moving closer to his heart and inviting Pilate. And Pilate continues to mock him as Jesus moves closer. Pilate gets angry. Jesus is focused on Pilate as the person. You know, in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul talks about loving and he talks about forbearing. What is forbearance and love? Forbearance literally means that I allow and I continue to love and move past the barriers that people erect in their life. You see, Jesus isn't distracted by Pilate's repeated mocking. He continues to move toward him. And as I experienced God in my own life, I saw God moving toward me in closeness. I saw God drawing me closer to him. And all Pilate did was he doubted truth. And at one time in my life, so did I. Because I lived my life according to what my truth was and how I saw the world. No matter what Pilate does, it doesn't stop Jesus. Pilate knew that Jesus was innocent. And in fact, the crowd answers Pilate, we don't want him. We want Barabbas. We want a criminal to be released instead. And they make their decision. You see, instead of choosing the real son of the father, they've now chosen a violent person whose name, Bar Abbas, sounds like son of the father. But they've chosen the wrong one. They've rejected Jesus and chosen another. Look at Chapter 19, it says this, verse 1, Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I'm bringing him out to you that you may know I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to him, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die because he made himself the son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. For somebody who looks at Jesus, and as much as he's mocking him, he finds no guilt in him. But for somebody who finds no guilt in him, he still has Jesus flogged. And what they would use, they would use a whip with leather strands and on it would be metal pieces or pieces of bone. And they would drive it into Jesus and pull it away. They would pull away pieces of skin. And the soldiers are now mocking, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Jesus is being mocked again. And he brings him out to the crowd, and he says, I find no guilt in him. And he says, behold, the man. Behold, this is the man who claims to be king of the Jews. This is the man that I've beaten and I've mocked. There's blood, there's sweat, there's spit all over his body. You see, Pilate thinks 
that by showing how sad and sorry Jesus looks, that they would feel sorry for him. And the chief priests, they say, nope, we want him crucified. They know they can't crucify him according to the law. They need Pilate to do it. They have to get Pilate to crucify him. And Pilate was afraid when they then went and stated that this man is making, had made himself the son of God and he should die. You see, the second application that we see here is how love upsets our world. Love moves closer. Love upsets our world. And you look at the life of Pilate, his whole world is being upset right now. Why is Pilate afraid? What was it that they said that made him so afraid is when he heard that this man right here had claimed to be the son of God. This isn't the kind of person who was trying to overthrow the Roman government. This is somebody who's saying something like he's claiming to be the son of God. Jesus is affecting Pilate more than he even realizes. And Jesus oftentimes does the same thing to us in our life more than we realize it. Jesus, by how he lived, by what he says, Jesus upsets our way of thinking of acting and relating. And like Pilate, Jesus disturbs our world. Love moves closer. Love upsets our world. Verse 9 says this, He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have the authority to release you and the authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, if you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement in an Aramaic Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold, your king. They cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. Pilate's world is being turned upside down. To the point where he brings Jesus back in and says, where are you from? He doesn't ask him, I know you're a Jewish peasant. He says to him, where are you from? Who are you? And Jesus doesn't respond. It makes Pilate upset. Do you not know that I have the power to crucify you and the power to, to release you? Jesus is calm and controlled throughout. You would have no power unless it was given to you from above. Pilate is completely self-centered. He's completely worried about his world. Jesus is Pilate-centered. Jesus is focusing on Pilate and trying to draw him in. And Jesus is the one who looks clueless 
about the trials he's in right now. You see, in the very beginning of this scripture, when you look at the life of Pilate and you look at Jesus, you tend to think that Pilate was the one who had the authority and the power and the one who was in control. And as this conversation is going on, you're realizing who is the one who truly has control throughout. It's Jesus. And you see the tension in Pilate's life now. He knows the right thing to do. But he also feels the tension of what others think and the influence of others around him. Ultimately, Pilate sends Jesus to be crucified because what they do is they appeal to Caesar. They know his hot button. They said anybody who makes himself a king is an enemy to Caesar. You know, I saw the same tension in my own life. And it came to me, not only was a tension of, do I give my life to Jesus or do I go and do I still try to live my life the way I want to? And that was the tension that was before me before I gave my life to Christ as a believer. But the tension was still even there in my own life because I realized even as a believer, I was living a dual life. I had one foot in and I had one foot out. And I came and I saw this tension in my life where I had to to say no to the things that I was doing that was keeping me apart from Christ. And you're seeing the same tension in the life of Pilate. You see, the third application is this. Love, it's a choice. Pilate brings him out and says to the crowd, behold your king. He's mocking them to their face again. And in Pilate's words, it's as if God is presenting Jesus for a decision. Pilate has made his decision. He mocks and he turns away from Jesus when Jesus is offering him truth. And the crowd, they make their decision because they've chosen Barabbas. And they say, no, we have no king but Caesar. The question is, what will your decision be? As he says, behold your king. You know, when you go to the book of Luke, in Luke 13, and as we prepare to enter into this time of Easter, uh, it was Jesus who knew what was going to happen to him. And you look in the book and, and look in Luke 13, 34, and it's Jesus as he's approaching, as he's talking about Jerusalem. He's crying over the city when he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Oh, Jerusalem. Jesus has come into this world to gather them under his wings and they didn't want him. They rejected his love and the movement of love from God in Christ. And then we move to Luke 19 and there it is as Jesus has now gone through and they're waving palm, laying down palms and saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, as he's approaching Jerusalem, and when he draws near the city, he wept over it. Is that Jesus cried. Love moves toward people. And that's what God was doing in Jesus. 
God is moving toward us. In our lives, we're just like Pilate. We mock, we resist, and we disparage. And oftentimes, it's his love that wears us down. This movement of love right here ultimately points to the ultimate movement of love on what God was doing through Christ. And his love that put him on the cross, on the tree. You see, under the Mosaic law, and you look in the Old Testament, everyone who was hanged on a tree was cursed. Jesus was cursed for us. Jesus Christ came into our world to forgive us of our sin. And he took the penalty that we deserve. Jesus became accursed for us so that we would not be accursed. And he died and he rose again for the forgiveness of sins. That cross that Jesus was on was probably made for Barabbas. But Jesus took his place instead. The penalty that Jesus took was made for us. And in the midst of all this evil, in the midst of the trouble that Jesus faced, and Jesus came into this world, what we see is the beauty of Christ, the beauty of God. You see, application one, love, it moves toward people. And we see that in the life of Jesus. Love upsets our world. Jesus overturns the way we see things, the way we do things. And lastly, love is a choice. Jesus Christ is king. They mocked him for thinking he was a king. Jesus was the only one that exudes a kingly calm, even in the face of trouble. And it's Jesus who fearlessly advances into enemy territory, unconcerned for himself. Jesus is in control in the face of all of Pilate's mocks and his lack of interest in truth. A truth in which those on the side of it listen to his voice. Pray with me. Father, we pray. Man, when we slow down and look, Father, we see the beauty of Jesus, how he loves, how he's so unconcerned for himself that in the face of mocking, that he can continue to move toward the heart and all the deflections that Pilate had, he continues to move toward him. And we know, Father, when we look at our lives, how often that's happened in our lives, how often it continues to happen in our lives, Lord, will we resist. Father, we pray we pray, Father, help tear down these walls that we may have. Help us to embrace and to know your love. And for many who have given their life to Christ already, Lord, what walls do we have that keep us from truly giving ourselves over to you, Father? For those who do not know Jesus, God, Many of us have preconceived notions about who you are and what you came to do. But we can't deny, Lord, the beauty of who you are in the face of everything that's going on, the way that you composed yourself and you carried yourself truly as a king. And for those of you out there, 
what Jesus is doing is he's moving toward you in love. He's moving closer to you in love and he's inviting you into a relationship with him, into a relationship with the Father. But there's one thing that stands in the way, which is sin. But he's made a way to take care of the stains of sin and the sin in your life so that you would be forgiven and to live in the newness of life that he offers. And for those of you right now, I just want to pray with you right now and lead you in a prayer. Something you can do right there. and Just say, dear Jesus, I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. I've lived my whole life apart from you. I believe that you died and rose again to forgive me of sin. And I thank you for your salvation. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. And we ask all of these things and lift them up in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.